Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So, how many of the Ten Commandments did King David break in our first reading from 2 Samuel chapter 11? Were you keeping track? By my count, it was six of them. Let's see if you agree or if you find even more. At the very beginning, we are told that while his whole army was out fighting the Ammonites and surrounding the city of Rabbah, David stayed home back in his capital of Jerusalem. I think that Luther would say that David was not properly fulfilling the responsibilities of his vocation as king of Israel. You see, vocation is all about acting properly in the duties of accountability to those in whom we are have authority over us and in having good responsibility over those who are below us. David shirking his duty to lead his people in battle then, I think can be considered a fourth commandment violation. Either way, David's behavior throughout this episode certainly did not bring honor to his father and his mother at the very most basic level. They would have been horribly embarrassed at their son's actions. Next, David sees a beautiful woman, Bathsheba, but she's the wife of another man, and he covets her. There goes the tenth commandment. David gets his servants involved in summoning Bathsheba to his palace, causing these workers to sin against their vocations as well, and the woman to sin against her vocation as wife. Fourth commandment again. David commits adultery with the woman. Sixth commandment, broken. He calls Bathsheba's husband Uriah the Hittite home from the battle, pretending to be concerned about his welfare, but really just wanting to use Uriah to cover up his own sin. That's breaking the eighth commandment about bearing false witness. David's attempts to trick Uriah fail because Uriah behaves in a faithful loyal and honorable way. So David gets his top general, Joab, to put Uriah in the most dangerous part of the battle, and Uriah is killed. That breaks the fifth commandment about being responsible for the physical safety of others. Our worship folder today missed the last two verses that should have been there, but they are an important conclusion to this whole sad and sorry affair. They end with the words, the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Wow, I'll say. So, if we review the story, we see that David broke the fourth commandment several times. The tenth commandment. The sixth. The eighth commandment several times also. And the fifth. How many is that? Well, that's five if you've been keeping track. But I told you David had broken six commandments, didn't I? Which other one did we miss? How about the one where the Lord says, you shall have no other gods before me? 
Yes, David broke that one for sure. He made his comfort, his lust, his pleasure, and his reputation his gods, putting them ahead of his fear, love, and trust in God above all things. All sin breaks that first commandment. Every sin. King David was pretty rotten in this entire story, sinning frequently and sinning badly. He might have been Israel's greatest earthly king, called a man after God's own heart. But in this particular situation, God was not pleased at all. So, how many commandments did you break today? This week? This month? Have you kept account? Do you have a notebook or a tally sheet with all of your sins recorded? Probably not because you've run out of paper and ink and time to record them all. What, did you just say to yourself, oh, come on now, I'm not really that bad? Add the sin of pride to your list right now. We are rotten with our sins. And all of our protests to the contrary merely spread the stench further. And just like David, whether we've sinned in a way that other people think is awful, or even in ways they might mistakenly think are not so bad, the Bible tells us, whoever keeps the whole law but fails on a single point is guilty of breaking all of it. That sounds pretty severe, even unfair perhaps, but the reality is that even the tiniest sin from our point of view still separates us an infinite distance from a holy and perfect God. What then can we do when we who, like King David, have sinned and done what is displeasing to the Lord? We have no hope but to look to the perfect and eternal King, Jesus Christ. Our second reading from Revelation 22 might not seem to fit all that closely with our Advent discussions on the connections and the contrast between the past imperfect king, David, and the future perfect king, Jesus. But it does if you're willing to work a little bit at it. For one thing, this second reading comes from the very end of the Bible. It describes the coming of the eternal kingdom. It provides descriptions and promises about the perfect reign of our perfect king. And other than receiving the Lord's Supper, you can't get any closer to heaven than chapter 2 of Revelation. 22, rather. And so, notice what Jesus says there about himself. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Both root and descendant. The origin and the destination. Or as Jesus says himself earlier in that text, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Most of you know that Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. So Jesus is telling St. John, the author of Revelation, that he is everything that is needed from A to Z. When David was confronted by Nathan the prophet about all these sins that he had done, David repented. He confessed his sin and he threw himself at the mercy of God. He heard the Lord's prophet declare to him that his sin had been taken away. When you, in this penitential and preparatory season of Advent, are confronted by the Lord's prophets about all the sins that you have done, 
what will your response be? Will you deny them? Ignore them? Rationalize them? Attempt to explain them away? Or will you heed the Lord's warning? Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. The Holy Spirit calls upon you to wash your body and soul in the waters of the font and to wash your robe in the blood of the Lamb so that you may have the right to come and eat of the tree of life and so that you may enter the holy city, the eternal heavenly Jerusalem. Jesus promised that He would send His messenger to His churches to testify to you about all these things. And so we do. You have sinned. Repent. Receive the righteousness of Christ to supplant and to wipe away that dark, fatal stain of your transgressions. You are forgiven for the sake of Him whose kingdom is not of this world. With the Holy Spirit and with the Bride of the Lamb, add your voice and call to Jesus, Come. He has testified, Surely I am coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus, perfect and eternal King. Amen.